Are you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information. 484-364-1032 or text Jeannie White, station manager at T-H-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for a podcast show details. Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav Bros. Good job. Hello, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio, where our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. The views of the guests may not represent those of the host of the station. Folks, I have such an incredible guest on. What an inspirational story of a man who has a wonderful gift and did not give up and is well-known. Unfortunately, I just, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I just happened to meet Dave Combs through um, the radio interview newsletter and I asked him to come on Chatting with Betsy. I read his book. I want to tell you about my guest. My guest, Dave Combs, wrote the book, Touched by the Music, How the Story and Music of Rachel's Song Can Change Your Life. Dave Combs is a songwriter, entrepreneur, and successful business executive. Over four decades, he has written over 120 songs and created 15 albums of soothing, relaxing, instrumental piano music, including the popular standard, Rachel's Song. His music has been played millions of times on radio, satellite, and all internet streaming media. And I'm going to tell you folks, I listen to Dave Combs' music in the evening to relax, and I highly recommend you reading the book before I even introduce my guest, and go on YouTube to listen to his music. It is wonderful, and I, I really wish I knew about this music when my husband was alive to help relax him. But without further ado, I am honored to have with me today Dave Combs. Welcome, Dave Combs, to Chatting with Betsy. Well, Betsy, what a wonderful introduction. I, can you do this for me about every week or so? That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. I sure I would love to. <laughs> oh, this is great. Well, it's, I've been looking forward to this for since we initially connected a few weeks ago. This is going to be a really fun conversation. 
Yes, I love the cover of your book. I'm into book covers. I tell my audience this. And I love the cover. You're standing right next to your piano with your hand on it. And I want to tell the audience, I have uh, bad vision. So I, I take my glasses off to read. Dave's book, the print, is excellent. It's, it's like a darker print, and it's big. And I, that helped me a lot. I really enjoyed reading your book. And can you please tell the audience, Dave, what inspired you to write your book? Well, uh, my wife Linda and I were sitting at home, uh, I think it was in November of year, two years ago, uh, you know, right be- during the pandemic time. And we've been tied up with the pandemic, you know, for all those weeks and never been able to go anywhere. And it hadn't gotten any better. We were just struggling with what are we going to do? And she's, my wife is still working. So uh, she's the controller for the state of North Carolina, but she had been working from home as had all 200 of her people that worked for her. They've been all working from home since March, two years ago. And uh, so we were sitting at home one night and, and Linda says, well, you know, we can't go out to eat. We can't go visit relatives. We can't do this and that and the other. Why don't you write the book that we've been talking about for years? You know, I have a lot of stories. I've, you know, I'm, I'm not a young chicken anymore, so uh, <laughs> uh, I've been done a lot of things and written a lot of music, and, and I've heard notes from over 50,000 people about my music. They've written to me, gone to the trouble to physically write me a letter or a note in the mail. 50,000 people. I have boxes of wonderful notes and letters. And you remember reading Chapter 21 in my book. There's, there's excerpts from some of those, and those are so yes. touching. And, and can you imagine getting 50,000 of those? Well, those stories had just really inspired me to no end. And so Linda says, well, let's just get out, get off the sofa here. Let's get your computer. Let's start writing your book. Well, that was in November uh, two years ago. And so I uh, got off and wrote my stories down and got started on writing my book. Well, I kept writing and writing and writing. And pretty soon I, I had more than, uh, enough for probably two books worth. So I had to figure out, well, which stories do I put in the book and which ones do I, do I leave out? But the inspiration was to tell my story and telling it in such a way that the reader would hopefully not just hear about it, but would act, could actually kind of see themselves being alongside me in the studio or wherever I was to, to experience vicariously some of the same things I experienced. So that was my purpose, was to get my stories down so that people like yourself could could read about them and hopefully be inspired and encouraged by those wonderful stories. And and all of those stories started from a, a background of the writing of Rachel's song and the music that followed that. So it's a long journey with music that started with Rachel's song in 1981. That's what, 41 years ago? And, uh, so, and writing over 120 since then, 15 albums worth, but all that means going to Nashville at once a week, uh, once a year for every year for 10, 12, 13 years, recording an album with Gary Prim and all those wonderful experiences of creating brand new music and then hearing from my fans and people that listen to it of how that music touched them. 
And so I, the, the cover of the, my book, the title, Touched by the Music, that's kind of been the title of it since we even thought about writing a book because that's what really happens. People are touched doubt, deep down in their soul and in their, their mind and in their body by music. And I'm just blessed that my music seems to reach a spot within people that they need to be touched. That is beautiful. And I had to say, Dave, that I so admire your, your faith. You're a man of faith. And you, just what happens to you, you know, you, you uh, get out your music, you're going to different, um, you started out in stores, like shops um, first, and then just growing a popul- popularity and then meeting people who know people, you know, just the connections that led you to where you are today. And I have to ask you this, if you could tell the audience, if you don't mind, how old were you when you wrote Rachel's song? I was 33, going to be 34 years old. This was in January of 1981. So I was 33 years old. And it's, it's funny, I grew up in a musical family. I grew up around music all my life. You know, I was active <laughs> with our church, Baptist church in, in the mountains of East Tennessee. And so Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were at church. And as soon as I was old enough to, to my voice had settled down from sounding like this and then like that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I got too excited to sing in the choir. And I, oh, what a wonderful day that was. I felt so uh, special, you know. It's when a young kid gets to ask to join his people he looks up to so much in his life to join them in the the choir. What an honor! I, I looked at it as a real honor and a privilege just to be able to stand up there between two wonderful singers and and start singing myself. It was, you know, that was early on. So music has been a part of my my life from the very beginning. And but I never wrote any music for myself until this Rachel song came to me in January of 1981. And I really, I didn't sit down to write a song. I promise you, I sat down like I always did in the evenings when I came home from work. I just sat down at the piano to play something to relax. But this time was different. The good Lord had other things in mind for me that evening. I started playing this song, and I played it through the whole thing verse and the chorus. I loved the way it sounded. It sounded great on the piano. It was in the key of C, easy to play. And I played it. And I'd play it fairly often. And then a couple of days later, my wife came home from work and she says, what's the name of this song? I've got rattling around in my head all day long. I I don't know the name of it. And she hummed a little bit of it. And I said, well, it doesn't have a name. And she, she got all excited. She said, what do you mean it doesn't have a name? Well, it's just something I made up on the piano. And she got all excited. She says, well, have you written it down? I said, no, I've got it in my head. And she said, no, 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 I, something might happen to you, and that song would be gone. So you write it down, and let's put it in your piano bench so it would be always there. Well, I did. And so that's how the song, the tune, got written. It didn't have a name at that time. It was just a tune. And we tried to think of a pretty name for the song that went with the tune. And nah, nothing we ever came up with fit. And then two years later, some friends of ours had a little baby girl, and they asked Linda and me to be her godparents. Well, 
course, we gladly accepted. And at her christening service, Linda and I were sitting there in the back and observing all the fine, wonderful words the minister was saying about this beautiful little baby girl. And uh, at the end of the formal part of the service, I punched Linda and I said, what do you think about me playing this tune on the piano? Up the front of the church was a baby grand piano sitting right on the platform in the middle, just inviting me to, to come up and play. <laughs> so I, she said, well, that, yeah, it, that seems to be perfect. So I went up and asked the family and the minister if it would be okay if I played a tune on the piano. Well, they gladly agreed, and, and everybody sat back down. I went over to the piano, and I sat down and started playing and I got about halfway through the song or so and I, I hear the sniffles in the crowd and I noticed that my eyes were getting a little uh, weepy and uh, it was a very emotional charged uh, atmosphere and so I finished playing the song and it, before the song completely died away on the piano I looked up and said well from now on this song will be called Rachel's song in her honor and that's how it got its name, and it was the perfect name. Everybody was just taken by the song, and it's, uh, it's, it's even here we are 40 years later, and it's still the perfect name for that song. That is a, a beautiful song, a beautiful name. How did the uh, parents feel? And now this uh, baby is now a grown woman. How, is, how do they feel about this beautiful song being named after her? They've always been just so uh, taken by the song, as is most every, everybody that listens to it. But I remember when little Rachel, uh, her mom and dad would say, every time they would play that song when she was a little girl, she'd, she'd point to the stereo and say, my song, that's my song. <laughs> <laughs> so, but she's, she's a grown woman now, and I, I have protected her, her privacy. I don't tell her last name or where she is or anything. She. She's alive and well, I can tell you that, but but I, to protect her privacy, we don't re- divulge the rest of her name and where, where she lives and so forth. But she has her song has certainly inspired a lot and touched a lot of people. It is beautiful. I, I have to say this, Dave. I hope I don't get uh, for clumps. <laughs> if I knew about your music when my husband was alive, I know he would have loved it and I would have played it for him. Because music um, is very touching to those who have dementia. And my husband had early onset Alzheimer's. And um, folks, those of you who have loved ones and you're listening to this and your loved ones are a little agitated, I'm telling you, go on YouTube, look up Dave Combs' music, and I bet you're going to see a difference. It's very calming. It's, It's it brings me, the first time I heard Rachel's song, I was moved to tears. And I was moved to tears because it was beautiful. It was relaxing. And I thought of Matt and how he would have loved this music and I would have played it for him. And that's my own personal opinion, folks. I can't rave about this music enough and, and this book. And you also were instrumental in writing the song, um, oh, I just had it here, uh, Worth the Wait. You were Worth the Wait? Is that yes, the name that's of it? Silly. You know, that, that's yes. Nice, you know, that, 
that song does have words. And again, uh, you know, these things kind of just, ha- they don't just happen. I'm sure God has a plan. And as in my book, you remember, I use the term God wink a lot. That's yes. I, or I borrowed that phrase from the choir Rushnell who wrote the wonderful little book called When God Winks. But uh, I've had a lot of God winks in my life. And one of those was when some friends of ours, uh, their uh Grand, their son, her son, was was getting married, and here he had been a bachelor all his life. He was like his uh, maybe even early thirties, and you know he had been kind of a, a rowdy kid at parts of the time. And his mother, she said, "I've spent many an hour on my knees praying for my boy <laughs> that he would meet the right person." <laughs> and here he was, thirty some years old, not yet married, and but he he met this beautiful young lady, and. They got engaged and and to be married and uh, at their wedding, uh, his his mother and his, uh, her husband Bob asked if if me and Jana Stansfield could write a song for their wedding. Well, Jana is a wonderful Jana Stanfield is a wonderful songwriter and singer, fabulous. You can look her up on YouTube as well, but. So, and she was a good friend of our friends Bob and Jane, and and so she said, "Okay, I'll I'll try to write some words." And so, we were at a, a wedding of another one of their relatives, and uh, Jane or uh, Jana was at that wedding too. And so, at that wedding, she had jotted down on a napkin or a small piece of paper or something some really beautiful words. And the title was "You Were Worth the Wait." In other words, playing off of her uh, Jane's sons uh, waiting so long to get married and find the right person. And so, uh, Jana wrote the words. And at this wedding, she she came over to me and said, "I've got the words uh, that Bob and Jane want us want to do a song. You think we could write some music to it?" And so we at the after that other wedding was over, we came back to my house, and. And Jana and I sat down on the piano bench, and she had the words, and and I started composing, creating this song, and we worked on it. And I think it took us about forty-five minutes, and we had the song written, and so that was great. And then, so now we need to get it recorded. So we arranged for a time in the future to go to Nashville, and again for me to hook up with my favorite piano player that's done all my music, Gary Prim. He came to the studio, and my favorite engineer, Ronnie Light, and, and then Jane and Bob, our good friends from Dallas, came as well. Now, remember, our, her son uh, did not know anything about this. This was going to be a surprise for her son and his, his fiance. So we meet with Jane and Bob in the studio in Nashville, and Linda and I are there, and, and Jana Stanfield is there, and, and we record this song. And you can hear this song performed on YouTube. Just go, You Were Worth the Wait, Dana Stanfield, and uh, you'll you'll find it. And it has the words that show up on the screen at the same time she's singing it. But when you hear the words, and now that you know the story behind the, the mother and the son that uh, was kind of uh, finally meeting the love of his life kind of thing, it's a really touching story. And I think the words and the music, Really, also kind of like Rachel's song, they'll they'll grab you in the, in your heart for sure. So um, I would encourage you to look that up. It's a really special song, and I love telling that story. 
Yes, it, it is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful song. Again, being the emotional person that I am, cried <laughs> through uh, <laughs> through the story, uh, through the story actually, and the song because <laughs> this is funny. Um, my husband uh, Matt, well, he was 27 when we got married, but his mom said, um, you know, I never thought Matt would get married, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, 27 isn't old, but back in 1980, I guess I was yeah. considered, you know, a little old uh, for that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, she said, I didn't think Matt would get married. <laughs> and that's what made me think of um, yeah. when I read the story about the song. And also, mm-hmm. your Christmas album is just um, beautiful. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact name of the song. It starts with beautiful. Beautiful song. Um, that's it. That's it. Gorgeous. Yes. Beautiful, uh, folks. I, you know what? I might sound like uh, redundant, but you know what? When I'm excited about something, I can't help it. I'm excited about Dave Cohn's music and his book. And it's just your story, you know, you weren't planning really when you wrote Rachel's song for to go to different shops and how did you get, yep. can you tell the audience how you got into uh, the business side of it and going to these little gift shops and then just, and then onto the guidepost magazine. I mean, yeah, yeah, please, please do go ahead. Well, you know, when I, when I had Rachel's song and then I got it recorded and saw how much it really, it moved, it touched me, it touched everybody that heard that song whether it was the guys that i were working with at AT at&t during the week in nashville every time we'd go to lunch in the rental car i'd pop rachel's song cassette in there and they'd listen to it again they loved it too and and this was it had just gotten recorded literally and uh so once it got heard by people i realized this is i've got to do more than with this than just put it away as a demo of a song and I, I came back home to Winston-Salem, and to make a long story short, I had lunch with a friend of mine who was had a radio program on Saturdays. He had a It was a big band radio program where they played wonderful jazz band music, and he would announce it and tell about the songs. And, so, and his name was Bob McCone. And so, Bob, I played the music for him. He loved Rachel's song like everybody else. And he was so moved by it, he said, Dave, you got to let me play this on the radio. And I said, okay. So I loaned him my master tape, the only copy I had. So I said, take care of this. This is the only one there is. And uh, so he, he borrowed it, the radio station, made a copy of it so they could put it on the air. And he played it on the radio that next Saturday. First time it had ever been played on the radio. And so I was just blown away by it hearing my own music on the radio, first of all. But second of all, I got a phone call from the station manager of that radio station. And he said, Dave, I've been in radio for over 22 years, and this has never happened to me before. He said, when Bob played Rachel's song on the Saturday morning radio show, the phones at the station locked up. You know how they'll have eight or ten phone lines. People can call in, and the eighth caller wins the prize, that kind of thing. Right. Well, he said all the lines lit up. Everybody wanted to know, play that song again. What was the name of that song? Tell us more about this Combs guy from Winston-Salem. 
And so he said, I'm never, it just really blew me away. So then is when I realized, I think that it really occurred to me, I need to get this song on every radio station that I can think of. So I got busy finding out how many easy listening instrumental radio stations there were in the country. And at that time, this is 1986, there were probably maybe 400 of those kind of radio stations around. Now, today, there's only maybe three or four or five. The, the formats have changed. But back then, there were lots of them. And so I found a way to get a, a phone numbers for all this. I, boy, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have Google. We didn't have cell phones. We were just pencil and paper and brute force right. back then. So and I no YouTube. A, <laughs> no YouTube. <laughs> so I found this publication, I think it was called Radio and Records, R&R, I believe is what they called it. And you could buy from R&R a list of all the radio, the radio stations in the entire country by format. And so I bought this big list. It was a, a published little booklet, basically. And it had all 400 radio stations and their phone numbers and who the program director was, all that stuff. So I started calling. And I would talk to people and say, can I send you Rachel's song? And then you consider putting it on the station. Yep. They all, you know, took the, the record. And almost all of them, I don't can't think of any that didn't, took the music and started playing it on their radio station. And then I called some radio stations and they'd say, we don't do the programming for our radio station, but we use a company called Bonneville Broadcasting. They send us the programming for our station. I said, oh, well, how about this? Uh, how do I get a hold of them? They gave me the number and the name of the man that programmed all the music. Called him up. Sent him Rachel's song. He loved it. And so he said, all right, I'm going to put this in the rotation playlist for all of my easy listening stations. There are about 200 of them. So instantly, <laughs> I go from just a handful of radio stations to half the country. And eventually, I got Rachel's song played on every easy listening station in the entire country. And that's when the other thing that had never happened before to me was fan mail. I started getting letters in the mail from people saying they heard my music on such and such a radio station and how it touched their lives and or what happened. And, you know, they kind of felt compelled to tell me their stories. And so that was, that was when I realized that I needed to do something more with my music. Now, now that was the listening to the music, but they also wanted to know, where can we get this music? Where could we get a copy? Well, I was the only place that had the, the music. It was just me. I didn't have any outlets or any place. I tried to get record stores to carry it, but they didn't want to have anything to do with me because they never heard of Dave Combs. They were mainly interested in carrying the big-name popular music stars like you know, Michael Jackson and all those uh, popular artists. So I was kind of puzzled about, well, how am I going to do this? I knew there had to be a way. And uh, this is one other Godwink thing. I was working at AT&T at the time in Bethesda, Maryland, and there was a lady that I worked with, Leslie, who had a friend who owned a gift shop. And Leslie says, Dave, could could you give me one of your CDs and let me give it to my friend Jane that owns this gift shop over in Old Town, Alexandria? Well, Betsy, if you've ever been to Old Town, Alexandria, you know it's a wonderful historic town with lots of shops and restaurants and 
You can walk on the boardwalk nearby the river, and it's just a beautiful place. So this friend of hers owned a shop called America, which she sold everything red, white, and blue. It was patriotic stuff, flags and anything with the, with America on it. Well, she played music in her shop, and she had a, a five-CD changer where she played John Philip Sousa patriotic kind of music. Well, my friend Leslie gave her a CD of Rachel's song, and she put it in her CD player and played it in her shop. And then the next thing I know, about a few days later, I get a phone call, and it's from Jane at the at the gift shop. And she says, I'm, I'm Jane. I own the America shop, and you need to help me out. I said, okay, what can I do for you? She said, every time Rachel's song comes on in my shop, Everybody in the shop comes over to the counter and says, Jane, do you have that music for sale? I want to take that home with me. And so she said, and of course, I don't have it yet. And so she says, can you sell me some? Now, I had never sold my music before this at retail. I I, I didn't even have a wholesale price yet. So she and I arranged for, okay, here's a fair wholesale price for the CD because I knew what it cost me. And and she's going to sell it for probably $14, $15. So. I think I sold it to her for $8 maybe. And uh, so I said, she said, can you bring me some tonight? I said, well, yes, I can. So after work that night when Linda got home from work and we boxed up a box of cassette tapes at the time and CDs and took them down to Old Town Alexandria and, and took them to her in the shop. And uh, so we, Linda and I thought, well, this is, we'll see how this goes. It's, it's encouraging. Two or three days later, I get another phone call from Jane, and she says, Dave, you got to help me out again. Those are all gone. Can you bring me some more? And this time, how about bringing me twice what you did the last time? I said, okay. So, you know, I, Linda and I made that trip from our house in, in Maryland down to Old Town at least once a week for over a year. She sold thousands of cassette tapes and CDs of Rachel's song, just that one album just from playing it in her shop. So that wow. then, uh, that's how I got started playing my music in gift shops. And I want the audience to know, Dave, that you were working full-time. Yeah. You had a very, um, a, a, if I remember, stressful job. You were um, you know, high up in your company. And... How did you manage working full-time at your job and then doing this on the side? Because you didn't know about you making CDs or cassettes and then selling them. And how did you manage all that? Well, you know, it's, it's like most, a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I'm not unique in that. A lot of people work two jobs, two or three jobs these days sometimes. But most entrepreneurs, when they have another job, they, they just work it when they can. In the evenings when they get home, and on weekends, so you you do your job during the day, but then out once those job hours are over, you're back working on trying to get your own entrepreneurial job going. And so that's how I kind of balanced that. And you're right, I didn't know anything about getting CDs, how they, to get them manufactured or cassette tapes. So I, you know, I had to do a lot of learning about how to create the masters for these uh, reproduction facilities and there was a big company in Nashville, Tennessee, called Custom Tape Duplicators that made cassette tapes, and it was a fascinating process to visit their factory where they 
had these high-speed machines with these reels of of the tiny little cassette tape tape on these reels that would go look like 100 miles an hour through these machines making these cassette tapes. And then we went up to Pennsylvania where they were making the CDs and toured that factory where they and, – and remember, this was like 1988. CDs were just beginning to be uh, a big mainstream medium for music. And uh, this was back, I think, uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller or one of his first big CDs was coming out. And, of course, they were ma- – every. CD manufacturer in the whole country was making Michael Jackson CDs because he was selling them by the millions. But I went up and saw how they were going to make my CD, and and uh, eventually, after I got enough gift shops selling, playing, and selling my music, I had to order my cassette tapes and CDs by the pallet load, like five thousand CDs on a pallet, or five five thousand cassette tapes on a on a pallet. And that's how many were being sold through all these gift shops across the country that I had lined up. Now, it's another whole story how I went from one gift shop to over a thousand. That's a, that was quite a long process, a lot of work on the weekends. So every Saturday and Sunday trying to find, connect up with these prospective gift shops that were, would be like this one in Old Town. And it was a, a lot of telephoning. We, we personally visited, uh, a lot of places that we could, we went on every Saturday and Sunday, we'd go out and tour, tour all these tourist towns, you know, like Ellicott City, Maryland, or Occoquan, or and then we're back in North Carolina, if you've been there, Blowing Rock, North Carolina is a beautiful little town. Gatlinburg, Tennessee is another wonderful gift shop town. And those were chock full of gift shops that, like America, would play and sell the music that I had created. And so that process of finding those gift shops was a ton of work and over multiple months and years, really, to to make that happen. Well, God has really blessed you. And I I have to tell the audience this, your music was even submitted into one of the James Bond films. Yeah, that's another one of those things where I get a... a, That's phenomenal. It really is. My my wife is. She was working at the time in Washington D.C. as a presidential appointee. She's worked for uh, has five presidential appointments confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Uh, worked. She worked for Ronald Reagan. She worked for George H.W. Bush, and she worked for George W. Bush. But this was back in the the days when it was uh, she was working for Ronald Reagan, and uh, one of the people that she met while she was in Washington just happened to be a, an attorney for the stars in Hollywood. I can't remember exactly how she connected up with him, but anyway, she met this fellow, and he loved Rachel's song. And he said, Linda, this sounds like a theme for a movie. Well, coming from somebody who was an attorney to the stars, I thought, wow, this is encouraging. Well, he took my Rachel song back to Hollywood where he worked, and he basically got connected up with the people at Universal Studios, and they were about to film a brand new James Bond movie called The Living Daylights. Now, The Living Daylights was going to have to, of course, have some James Bond music as part of it, the theme song. They always have a big theme song for the movie, and he talked them into asking me to submit some music for a possible theme song for the James Bond movie. 
and Universal Studios sent me, I think they called it a, 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 a script synopsis. They didn't send me the, uh, the total script, but it was, they sent me what the movie was going to be about. It was enough to know that what the different scenes were going to be and what the theme was and everything. So I would have some basis for writing a song. So I thought, wow, this is high drawer for me. This is first class. So I got all excited, and I called my good friend Stan Moon, who lives in Lexington, Kentucky. He's a wonderful guitar player. We went to high school together, friends all our life. And he is a fabulous guitar player. He played the, the, the guitar in the jazz band for the United States Navy Jazz Band. He was their guitarist for his years in the, in the United States Navy. But he is a fabulous guitarist. Well, Stan's also a singer and a songwriter himself, as was his wife. I told him about this James Bond movie thing, the opportunity, and he got all excited, too. I said, well, all right, let's see if you can come up with some words, and I'll do the music. And so wasn't any time at all. He, he sends me this, uh, this wonderful song, and, and the title of it was called Danger in Your Love. Now, that's a great title for a James Bond theme song, I think. <laughs> yes. It had, you know, it had the right tone to it. It's supposed to be mysterious and danger in your love. So I took that, his words, and they all rhymed and everything. It was a wonderful bunch of verses and chorus. And so I sat down to piano, and I wrote the music to go with his words. And then Stan and I, we lined up our good friend Gary Prim back in Nashville again, and Ronnie Light, the engineer. And so we meet in the studio in Nashville, and we line up. Uh, in fact, Stan's wife, Carmen at the time, was uh, going to sing. The, she was a good singer, and she was going to sing the words for the demo. So we recorded the music. The music turned out great, and her lyrical version of it turned out great. And so then I, I said, okay, I've got to present it to Universal Studios, and I was going to do this in person. I use this as a great excuse to go to Hollywood, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so excuse. I, yeah, so I, I get me a plane ticket to Hollywood, and I meet, have an appointment with this Universal Studios person, and I, I, we meet for lunch at the Hard Rock Cafe. And if you, those who go to Hollywood, I guess you got to go to eat at the Hard, Hard Rock Cafe. So that's where I met him, and I had my cassette player and headphones so he could sit there at the table and listen to this song, Danger in Your Love. Well, he loved it. He, he thought this was great. So I left it with him. He said, I'll have to run it up the flagpole. You know, Cubby Broccoli, I think, is the, the director of the movie. He's the one that makes all these decisions as to what song is going to be used and so forth. So I was all excited, and what a what a wonderful opportunity. Well, he called me back, in the, I think it was probably about a month later. He said, well, Mr. Mr. Cubby Broccoli made his decision, and it's, uh, unfortunately your song did not get chosen for the movie. But another group that, at this time, I had never heard of them, but they were an upcoming rock group. I think they were out of Denmark or somewhere in, over in Europe, called AHA. And if you read my book... Never heard not, of them either. They're a, uh, I never heard of them. Do a YouTube on AHA, you'll find... They're a, they're a good rock... They're a good band. They're a great music group. But, you know, in my book, I talk about AHA moments and... and uh-huh, yes. So this was kind of, quote, my aha moment. That <laughs> was the aha, though, be the name of the rock band. But uh, anyway, that got chosen. Well, 
I loved the song, but it had lyrics. Now, all my music that had been released up to that point or, or had been recorded was all instrumental. So I needed the music, the, the, the tune that I had written for this James Bond movie. I wanted to use it, too. So I had to go back to the studio. Actually, I went to another studio in Maryland who took my master tapes and recorded another track of me playing the melody on my synthesizer to replace the melody being sung. And so I did that and renamed the song instead of Danger in Your Love. The name of it now, it's on my Rachel Song CD, and it's track number three called Your Love. Just, I took the danger in off of it and just called it Your Love. So that's when you listen to Your Love. Now you'll probably be thinking James Bond movie. <laughs> when you hear it. <laughs> it does have that kind of a mysterious minor key kind of beginning melody to it. It's a, it's a neat song. But that's my my one one opportunity to, to try to interface with the Hollywood music and James Bond movie. Well, that you, you've been so blessed. And I remember, because uh, I read your book a, a while back, uh, how did it, can you tell the audience, how did it feel for you to actually play in front of, um, you know, a crowd? You know, out, not in a church, but, you know, the public. Yeah. How was that for I, you? That was an, another amazing uh God wink, I think. I was sitting at my office in Maryland again, and I get a phone call from the program director of KEZK FM radio in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And the fellow on the line says, uh, I, I'm the program director, and our radio station every year runs a contest with all of our listeners, and they get to vote on who would they like to invite to St. Louis to hear who's their favorite artist that they would, just, would love to come to a concert to hear. And so we have a contest, and we pick the top five of the, our listeners' choice, and we invite them to come to Nashville for a special free concert for our listeners. And the concert is always out at the, Booter Park. Those from St. Louis will know where Booter Park is. It's a huge outdoor venue. It's a wonderful outdoor park. And uh, he said, we can usually have about 25, over 25,000 people show up on for the concert. And I thought, wow. I said, uh, and he said, by the way, you were one of the five choices by our listeners. I said, really? Okay. I said, well, who were the other four? And he said, well, there's George Benson, there's uh, the Letterman, there's Don McLean, and there's the Association. Now, now those wow. I've heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, those are four of my favorite people I love to hear. This is yeah. going to be great. And he said, well, we're going to fly you out here, put you up in the hotel. We'll get your limousine service over to the event. All We're just going to treat you well. I said, wow. <laughs> just, I was blown away. So we went out there to St. Louis, and sure enough, I, I was the first one on the program. And right behind me in the next segment was the letterman. And so I I'm, I'm, I'm get to play Rachel's song for tw- over 25,000 people. I, I looked out over, from, it was one of those raised up stages with a concert shell out in the corner of the, the big field. And it, people, as far as the eye could see, and there were people just sitting on the ground everywhere. 
it was a beautiful day in, in I think it was in August of, uh, of I think it was eight, 1989. And blue sky, clear day. It was beautiful. And so I got to play Rachel's song for over 25,000 people and got a standing ovation. And it was just a, oh, I, I, it's hard to describe how wonderful it was. And after my part of after my part of the program, I went down and they had set up an autograph tent right in front of the, beside the stage, and I had already shipped a bunch of tapes and CDs ahead of time, and and I stood there for four hours at my autograph tent and signed autographs and got my picture made with fans. I've learned that there were people who had come all the way from Chicago, Minneapolis, all over the Midwest to St. Louis to hear my part of the program. I was blown away wow. by the loyalty of my fans. And I also learned that the, the lettermen, who I'm sure you, you love to hear them sing yes. as I did, they were idols of mine since I was at first heard them sing. And they were in the table right next to mine, so they stayed there the whole time I was there doing the same thing, signing autographs, getting pictures made. We had breakfast with them at the hotel, became really good friends with Tony Batala and and the other two members of the the Letterman, and we've stayed in touch. Uh, We still communicate, and we go to see them when they come into the area. We saw them a couple years ago down in Myrtle Beach, spent some time with them down there, reminiscing. I took them some photographs that we'd made from St. Louis, and they they sure did remember that big concert. That was one of the biggest outdoor concerts they'd ever done. And so that was my one time to get to – play my music for a big crowd and, and meet some wonderful other musicians. That is amazing. I, your story is very moving because it's one of, you know, I love how you say God winks because you couldn't plan this. There's no way you could have planned this. And You're right. the, the, you know, the timing and the connection. And I just love when that happens, you know, that you just, had to be, God put you in the right place at the right time to meet the right people. Um, You know, for those who don't believe in God, they might say, you know, karma, but I believe in God and I believe God puts people in our lives. Uh, It's not a coincidence that you meet people, you're meant to meet them and how things uh, happen. And you're just such a testimony, Dave Combs. Um, I truly admire your your life, your story, uh, your faith. And, you know, you were probably, if, what, were you in your 40s when you were doing this concert? Or close to 40? Uh, nine, let's see, I was, I was right at 40. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I was like, you know, I like to tell people, it's not too late. If you have a dream, you have a goal. doesn't matter what your age is. Do go forward in your dream and your goal. And um, I just love talking to you, Dave Combs. Um, you really just touched my heart, uh, your music. I could talk to you forever. Uh, I, if my memory um, serves me, didn't you meet one of the presidents? Did you have a meeting with one of them? I have been as close as one foot away from President Ronald Reagan when Linda 
Linda worked for him in the 1980s. She was one of the assistant secretaries of the Department of Education in Washington. And uh, when they built the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California, Ronald and Nancy, President Reagan and Nancy, invited all of his former employees, whether presidential appointees or even when he was governor of California, he invited all those people on a Saturday before the official opening on a Sunday. He invited all of us to the library that Saturday to spend the day. And we were, you know, we, we were driven up to the place, dropped off, and then we spent the entire day at the Reagan Library with the president and the first lady. And, you know, we got a chance, to, and there no secret service around. This was, of course, after he had already left the presidency, but this was all a, an enclosed private event. And so you weren't, you know, kept away from anybody. And so I literally was as close to Ronald Reagan, you know, like two feet away from him and able to talk with him and Nancy and and Linda and I spent the day. It was so special to uh, be able to do that. I I look back on that and just kind of pinch myself. This was the time when, when we were sitting there at the official event on Sunday. Uh, we thought we would have seats kind of in the very back. But no, no, he had arranged for us to have seats up close to the front. I think Bob Hope was about two rows in front of me and all these Hollywood people that he had invited to the event. And uh, uh, Lee Greenwood was going to sing uh, God Bless the USA. And while Lee Greenwood was singing God Bless the USA, I'm, I'm still getting chill bumps telling you about this. We're standing there, and here on the stage is five living U.S. presidents, including Ronald Reagan, Lee Greenwood singing God Bless the USA, and here comes the the jets overhead in the missing man formation that just streak, streak right over right over our heads, and uh, just it just it was such an impressive, um, it's hard to describe, it's an awesome event, and uh, it was such a privilege to be there for that, and and uh, he, President Reagan was such such a gracious man, and. Uh, we sure miss him and his his leadership. He he was uh, a wonderful president. Yes, yes, I agree. Well, I want to thank you, Dave Combs, for coming on chatting with Betsy. I enjoyed chatting with you and reading your book and listening to your music. Can you please tell the audience how they can get your music? And I know your book is on Amazon.com. And how can they find your your music and connect with you? Well, it's real simple. I've made it just as simple as I can. It's You go to my website, which is combsmusic.com, C-O-M-B-S music.com. And when you go to my homepage, it's also it's not, it's a very simple page. On the left side, you'll see a picture of the cover of my book. And on the right side of the page, you'll see a picture of the cover of my CD, Rachel's Song. Underneath each of those, you'll find a link that will, if you click on those, it'll take you right to Amazon, to the right place, to purchase though either the book or the the music and right in the middle of that page too is a link that says play Rachel's song and it's it's not a sample it's the real deal if you click on that that is the recording of Rachel's song the original one I talked about in the that was the original demo so you go there and then of course if you want to explore more about my other music there's tabs at the top of the page you can go to, to check on my books and music you can read story about me and you can read that guidepost article that we didn't really talk about, but uh, that you can read that article also on my website. 
and uh, and I'd love to hear from you. I have an email. You can click at the bottom. There's an email link to me, Dave at CombsMusic.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. But then I read them all and I answer them all. So it's very very simple to to check me out and find about my music and get a hold of me. Oh, thank you, Dave. That's another thing I liked about your book. You have the uh, what do you call it, the QR code mm-hmm. um, where you can listen to Dave's music. He actually has the codes in the book, and if I could do it, <laughs> and I'm a tech <laughs> challenge, folks, to the max, yep. I figured out how to do it, <laughs> and I was able to uh, to listen, and um, I just fell in love with uh, Dave Combs' music, and I want to thank you again. You are an inspiration, um, man of faith. You've definitely blessed by God, and I, I thank you for your testimony and for coming on the show. Folks, if you missed any of this podcast, you can catch it again wherever you hear your favorite podcast. And it is free to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy I'm on Amazon.com, Amazon Music, and Spotify, Spreaker, and many other places. I highly recommend you going to get Dave Combs' book and listen to his music. Buy that Rachel song CD. Um, it's beautiful. And I wanted to thank... Jeannie White, who is station manager, Passion World Talk Radio, for writing the blog, producing the show. Please read the blog because it will have information on how you can get in touch with Dave Combs, purchase his book, and about uh, where you can buy his music. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Passion World Talk Radio, who makes this all possible. And thank you, the audience, for listening. And uh, please share this podcast to help other people I really believe that music is soothing. I've seen it. I saw it with my own eyes, with my husband, Matt. And give Dave Cohn's music a try. Go on YouTube. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. I really enjoy his music. And when I saw, I have to say this, you know, there's no coincidence. Dave Cohn's, your little press release that I read, I knew I had to reach out to you. I said, mm-hmm. I have got to have this man on my show. I have to have him on my show. I didn't know anything about you. Didn't know anything about your music. <laughs> I just knew. He's talking about Godwink, right? I just knew I had to connect with you. And I'm thinking, oh, what's the chances of this guy contacting me to be on my show? Um, you know, I never know if I'm going to hear from people or not. <laughs> I sent him a request. Yes, yes, it was meant to be, and um, I, I'm just uh, blessed to have talked to you. I do have to ask you this real quick. Now, you're on Amazon.com. Can people from overseas purchase your music and your book? Yes. Uh, the, most people around the world have access to some version of Amazon and okay. uh, the, uh, also the, the streaming capabilities. They can also hear hear my music streamed on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, all those streaming facilities as well. But, uh, yeah, they can get anybody in the world. And my book is available anywhere in the world. That where, Everywhere books are sold. I've, I've checked, and there are stores in Germany, England, and all around the world that they can, they can order my book. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Dave Combs. Thank you, everyone. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. 
as I always say, folks, in a world where you could be anything, please be kind because we need to be kind to each other. Till we chat again, I hope you're all blessed in some way. Bye-bye now. Are you looking for an Internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the Internet for the past 16 years. Call us for more information, 484-364-1032, or text Jeannie White, Station Manager at T-H-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for a podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio.com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A-L-E-X-A, amfm247.com, every Tuesday evening between 8 and 9 p.m. YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.